Hey there, friends. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to invite you to our next Collaboration Zone Zoom party. This is a free Zoom chat get together with all of my entrepreneur friends in the Rise and Recovery Network, where we can share mind and business growth tips, strategies, and you get to network with other entrepreneurs of all experience levels. So if you want to level up your business and get connected, book your spot today. Head on over to www. The road forward slash collaboration zone. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. Today we are chatting with my friend Jackson from Stay Stopped. But before we get into the show, let's share a little bit of gratitude. So as I was doing my appreciation rant this morning, I do it with three people now um, and highly recommend it. I'm not the creator of this, but a friend of mine uh, shared with me that, you know, she was leaving three minute voice memos to... um, you know, to people in the morning and you would do that back. It was reciprocated. And so now because I do it with three other people, um, I get to leave, you know, three, three minute voice uh, memos basically of what I'm grateful for, what I appreciate, and then I get to hear theirs. So it's a great way to start off the morning. But as I was sharing in one of those appreciation rants, I was sharing about how I really appreciated at home delivery for groceries. And, you know, if if you guys were listening to The Road to Health, which was the podcast previous to The Road Beyond Recovery, I used to actually use this as a strategy because I traveled so much that I would actually pre-order my groceries when I was on the road so that they would be delivered when I got home. So I didn't have to spend that time shopping and I could actually spend it with my partner and friends and family and do the important things, right? Because after coming home, after being gone for a week, knowing that you had to leave again on Monday, the last thing I wanted to do was fight the crowds on the weekend in the grocery store. So that's originally what I had started, you know, getting delivered groceries. But of course, it also helped not selecting the foods that I didn't want to order too much of or foods that I really didn't need in the first place. And as my journey has kind of progressed and I've been doing intuitive eating, um, I, you know, I, as I became an entrepreneur, I did have a little bit more time. And so I started to venture back into the grocery store. But what I found was that I was buying way more food than I needed to. And I was actually throwing stuff away. Now, I don't like to waste food, but as I'm only cooking for one person and I don't often take into account, you know, maybe getting invited out by a friend, my partner will often last minute say, hey, let's go on a date night, right? So I don't take into consideration that there might be a few days of the week that I'm not actually going to be cooking for myself. And so I found that at the end of the week, I would be throwing away food that was delicious 
and I probably didn't have to buy in the first place. And so what I find is when I'm ordering things online, I try to plan my meals. I try and plan a couple days where I might be going out and just order that, right? So I'm not, I don't succumb to the temptations of buying all this stuff that I don't need. And, you know, I've gotten better. It's actually interesting because when I started this intuitive eating journey, I started getting some chips, right? And I learned that I could actually keep a bag of chips for a week until they had gone stale. And I would actually throw some of them away. But now I don't really crave them anymore. And, you know, I think I'm kind of finally hitting that part where I crave healthy food. And, you know, so, but when I don't see it, I'm not tempted to buy it. And so I think that that's an amazing strategy. If maybe you struggle with buying too much food and you throw it away, or maybe, you know, when you go into the grocery store, you buy things that you don't need and then you regret buying them, right? So you get into that remorse. I just think that ordering groceries online and having them delivered is, is such a great, great way to do that. And, you know, the flip side, it also saves you time. And that's something that I really appreciate because it allows me to do things that are much more important in my life. Now, as I mentioned, today's guest is my friend Jackson from Stay Stopped Recovery Apparel, and it is also the official apparel provider of the Road Beyond Recovery hoodies, which, by the way, if you have not bought one yet, you got to get in on them. They are probably the most quality, durable hoodies that I have ever owned. And, you know, I've, I've purchased a bunch of them, given them to friends, and they also love them. I often, when I get together, see them still wearing them. Uh, my partner's bought a couple of them now because he said it's super high quality and really comfortable. And so I realized that, you know, this is a shameless, uh, you know, promotion, shameless plug. But, um, you know, when Jackson reached out to me and asked if, uh, if we wanted to work together, I jumped all over it because, not only is the brand quality, it's also stay stopped, right? So for me, that means not relapsing. That means staying in recovery and making sure that we stay stopped, right? We don't have to go back to that. So Jackson on the show shares his own story of overcoming addiction and what inspired him to start the business in the first place. You know, we talked about his passion for helping to spread the word that once we quit, we don't have to go back. And Jackson is so much fun to chat with. We do chat on the phone occasionally and I love what he does. He's always encouraging me to kind of break out and do some other things as well to promote my own brand and he promotes my brand for me as well. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. But if you haven't picked up your Road Beyond Recovery hoodie, make sure you go do so. We'll leave some links in the show notes for you. And I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, we are live and today I'm hanging out with my friend Jackson from Stay Stopped Recovery Apparel and also the official apparel provider of The Road Beyond Recovery, which is super cool. How are you, Jackson? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Miss Tamar. Such an honor. I've been waiting for this for the longest time ever. (laughs) Been a long time coming, yes. It has. And we get to chat occasionally. And I love your passion about recovery. I think that's, you know, we've talked about collaboration and we're going to talk about how other people can collaborate with you as well. But why don't you kind of introduce yourself for those that don't know you and what it is that you do today? Hi, everybody. My name is Jackson. Um, I am a recovered alcoholic. Um, My sobriety date is May 8th, 2015. And 
Whew, let me tell you, that is just a date that I never saw coming. You know, just never saw it coming. But um, I love to have this opportunity um, right now to kind of really share that experience and how the transition went from, you know, 2015, May 8th, 2015, into some things that, you know, happened to change my life altogether. But um, crystal meth, you know, that was my drug of choice for 20 some years. Initially started, of course, with the alcohol, but that quickly progressed into harder, uh, harder substances. Um, and and again, I just I was I was really content to the fact that I could live this double life. Again, I'm not going to be a junkie. I'm not going to be this, you know, uh, a stereotypical, you know, dope being or whatever. I'm going to make sure I maintain, you know, my my my, my presence. I'm going to make sure I maintain my, my, my career occupation as a licensed insurance agent. I'm going to make sure I, I be, you know, I'm going to be that man of the house, you know, have that, that father, that father, you know, uh, uh, presence in my family. And um, yeah, it just, it just got away from me. It, it, it just got away from me. And again, I just really, really enjoy this opportunity to, you know, to share the story of how, um, that last day kind of really put me in a place of true hopelessness, you know, um, multiple attempts, you know, from, I'd say like the last 10 years from, actually I go back to 2006, you know, was my first, um, my first um, introduction into uh, residential treatment programs. Um, but I believe at that time there was a lot of um, reservation again, because I wanted to hold on to that, idea that somehow someday i'm going to control this there's no way i'm never going to do it again that's just not happening but um i would go in you know start doing residential treatments and i was catch little cases possession here and there you know driving suspended you know things of this nature not being that responsible person that i thought i could be because um again i wanted to do what i wanted to do and it quickly transitioned to i want to do what i want to do to i'm going to do whatever that that substance tells me to do basically mm -hmm. i mean literally um i was in that place 2006 um 2008 another treatment center another residential treatment center 2011 another treatment center again every single time though i had an interest to stop to a degree but again but to completely stay stopped it was nothing that really you know really kind of sunk in 2013 another rehab this time you know, I, I, I was first, that, that word stay stop was first presented to me. Um, one of the facilitators was in, you know, one of my uh, rehab treatment classes. And he made a very casual comment, you know, alcoholics and drug addicts, they stop all the time. They just don't know how to stay stopped. And that really, it just woke something up within me. Because, um, again, I never wanted to stop, but I did want to control it. So I guess essentially I didn't know how to stay stopped because again, I already, already knew, you know, it had gotten a hold of me. Mm -hmm. And um, for whatever reason, 2013, um, I did, the, I did five months. Um, you know, I was clean and sober for five months and um, month number six, you know, some ideas started popping into my head and I'm like, this is stupid. You know, I don't really want to do these meeting things anymore. I don't really feel like, you know, I'm that bad. You know, I got it all together one more time, one more time. Because, again, we always get it together. And, um, 
again, I got the idea once again. Just let me go over here and just let me chip a little bit and just don't get carried away this time. Seriously, Jackson, don't get carried away this time. And um, I'd be back out for two more years. And um, so, again, that kind of, like I said, we all have our own story and everything. But I can really, you know, after doing this recovery, you know, you know, processing, you know, I went through dialectical behavior therapy. Um, just to kind of add it to you, I'm a, a military army veteran. And, you know, shout out to the veteran services. You know, they came in and, and, and offered, you know, some substance abuse treatment, some, you know, a lot of different programs to help with my PTSD, to help with my, you know, coping mechanism, with my coping skills, dialectical behavior. And, you know, they, they all served its purpose. You know, they all served its purpose. And, um, and I hold those things very precious to me. I did a lot of volunteer work, you know, early in my recovery at my last treatment center in 2015. And um, I, again, it was just all relevant to, you know, this new way of living. And again, my new way of coping with life beyond, you know, beyond recovery, you know what I mean? And that's why I kind of really connected with you because I saw your company that rode beyond recovery because now, mm -hmm. you know, I got this sobriety uh, one more time. Now am I willing to, you know, do some work and really kind of dig in in the trenches because I really had an expectation that these rehabs should teach me how to, you know, not want to use. And these, 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 all of these detoxes and all should, I should, I've, I've been doing this for so long, you know, but I didn't realize the difference between being, you know, dry and actually working a program of recovery. And that's kind of, you know, what I started doing in 2015. Um, but again, I could, I could go on. Did you want me to kind of, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I always like to start from the beginning because I'm I know we all have different journeys on how we started drinking mm -hmm. or using. I mean, yeah. I when I share my story, I share that I had a, a really amazing upbringing, you know. It it yeah. addiction and alcoholism runs in my family. It skipped yes. my parents, but right. there was no trauma early on for me that mm -hmm. caused me to reach for a drink. I just didn't know how to handle my emotions. I didn't felt feel like I fit in. And when I drank for the first time, as you know, that feeling of it's elusive. It's like, wow, my life is all of a sudden gone bright and shiny and I feel good. So what was life like growing up for you and what led to you, you know, your addiction starting? Oh, <laughs> and this is really cool tomorrow because, um, if anybody's listening, I kind of want, I kind of really check this out because I actually, you know, in one of my uh, therapy sessions, uh, explored this area. So I'm 12 years old. Okay, um, I'm, I'm I'm from a mixed uh, background, mixed race, right? So of course, fitting in was always an issue. You know, black side, white side, Mexican, whatever. Okay, what are you, Jackson? What are you? You know, and it was like I had that identity crisis, you know, I grew up hearing, what are you? What are you? But when it came to party time or sports, you know, I grew up playing football and everything. But, and then after the football game, you know, we all party and it was like, I fit in with the party people. You know what I mean? I didn't fit in with anyone else, but those party people, you know, there's Jackson, you know, it was like, it didn't even matter, you know, what my racial background was. Cause I'm, I'm there to party. And when I party, we party good like this. And it was that really that sense of connection. You know what I mean? And it was really weird. Um, and I'll just slide this in here real quick. It's really weird how it starts off being a part of, but it very slowly 
you know, progresses into isolation. So again, I'm sure we'll talk about that, but, but yeah, growing up was awesome. You know what I mean? I grew up in a single family, single mom, you know, um, my dad, they were divorced when I was like three. Uh, my sister was, she's a year older than me, model student, you know, mommy's little girl and da da da. She's a good, she's a good girl. And I'm the, you know, stay out late, get in trouble in school, suspended kind of guy. Cause I'm the class clown. You know, I'm always going to have that last word, Mr. Sarcastic, you know what I mean? But um, it was just like being 12 years old, being invited to that party. And again, I share this with people. It's like, you know, I can tell you, you know, Seagram seven and seven, Joel McManus's house. You know, it was a, it was an awesome party. That was my first shot of alcohol. And let me tell you, I can't tell you when my first hot dog was, when my first slice of pizza was, when my first cheeseburger, when my first T-bone juicy steak was. But I can tell you vividly, I can see sitting at that table with all the fellas and all the girls around. Shot, 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 shot. Vivid, vivid. And when we were in the therapy session, it was just like, why do I remember that so clearly? Because that moment, that shot, that feeling of, of what do they refer to it now in my program? They refer to it, that sense of ease and comfort. It was like, boom, that was it. You know, it was like a whole different vibe. And I could just be whoever and however and everything was cool. And, and again, my mom and everything, it was just like, you know, I remember coming home. Oh, he's drunk. And they were, I remember her being on the phone. And, and, and I mean, my mom, she was, I, I know, you know, she, you know, she would, she partied and she drank. And I remember her having bags of pills all the time. But again, I don't really relate that to, you know, why, but whatever. But, um, but yeah, it was like a big joke to him. You know, she's on the phone and yeah, he's coming in here drunk again. Da, da, da. So it wasn't really, you know, looked down upon. It was kind of like, it was just a phase. And I think it was a phase. And, I, you know, after I graduated high school, I went right into the military. So I figured, okay, I'm going to really tighten it up now. And, and you know, I don't want to be this wild party guy. I want to do something with my life. So I joined the military and little did I know <laughs> that drinking would take on a whole new dynamic. <laughs> you know what I mean? That drinking took on a whole new dynamic because that's what you do in the military. You go to work all day and then, you know, four o'clock comes off. Boom, we're over to the canteen and it's it's on, you know, and it was just like drink was just like second nature to us. And um, but again, it was it wasn't as progressive as it was it was i'm sorry it wasn't as as bad as it was it was more of a luxury type of a party thing and then you tighten it back up so again growing up beautiful family lots of love my sister my mom and and i've even you know my dad passed away in 2014 and um he knew i was in recovery and he was an alcoholic as well but um but again they were very supportive and you know they lots of prayers you know so uh, again, it was, I was very well, it was very well received that, you know, I finally came to terms with, you know, I, I have a substance abuse, you know, disorder and I'm getting help and I'm getting help. And it was always, you know, I'd always say, oh, Hey, I'm at another rehab. Hey, I'm at another rehab. Always love and support um, from my entire family. So again, again, just an awesome childhood. I can reflect, you know, really awesome childhood. And, um, but again, I just really, didn't ever feel like I fit in, but drinking and partying was my connector piece. And, um, 
like I said, it, it progressed straight to, you know, high school graduation, you know, four years, five years in the military. When I got out of the military, moved to California, and I would find crystal methamphetamine in 1994, one year after I got out. And the drink quickly went to the side. And again, I found my new higher power. <laughs> you know, and that, that would take on a whole new world for a, a dude like me that just really wanted to be a good, you know, responsible individual because it did not, it didn't let me do that at all. It definitely took over. Um, so again, that's why I say, you know, I know it's by the grace of God. I know it's by a program of recovery that I deliberately intentionally work on a daily basis that you know, I'm able to stay stopped. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a lot of people, you know, if you're new or if you're listening to this, you know, I always say, who am I talking to when I do these little things? I'm talking to two people, really. My first state of mind is I'm talking to somebody that's, you know, been doing it for a minute and they might be thinking about, you know, this is not, you know, the same working. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm looking at that individual. I'm thinking of that individual. Then I'm thinking of the newcomer person who may be, you know, really struggling with this. And I know that's why I do these podcasts and these things so that I can be that voice of hope, if you will. And, and to really kind of encourage someone to sustain the sobriety that they already had and they've committed to. And also to the person who is new and who really thinks it's impossible. Because, again, I was at that place, too. It's impossible for me to ever stay stop. There's no way I need this stuff to breathe. This is not party time central anymore. You know, it's progressed to come on everybody to work everybody just leave me to frick up just leave me alone you know and that was not supposed to happen that was not supposed to happen so if you're in that place again i do these podcasts you know and i connect with people like tomorrow to organizations like yourself um so that i can be that voice of hope you know it is it is definitely possible and i created this brand you know just like it says to really encourage and attract that awareness of you know our desires to stay stopped you know what i mean because that was a big big thing for me absolutely so when did you i mean you kind of mentioned it briefly before that <laughs> there's been many times that you tried to stop and i think i've hit you know when i finally hit my last bottom which i always say that's the time i stopped digging because i think all too often in recovery we compare ourselves to other people and oh, well, I'm not like you because I didn't have as low of a bottom as you did. But it doesn't mm -hmm. matter because our bottom is when we stop digging. And I can tell you that I hit much lower bottoms mm -hmm. earlier on in my addiction when I did go from <laughs> alcohol to harder drugs mm -hmm. than when I actually stopped. You know, I had started using harder drugs again right before I quit, you know, for the last time. But there were mm -hmm. so many bottoms that I had hit. So when did things really get to the point where you knew, okay, this is it. Like, I can't do this anymore. Gosh, man. Well, it, it would have definitely been that, that, that 2015 zone, that, that, that May 8th, because um, just my whole behavior. I, I'll put it more in the year, that, that 2015. So, again, at this time, you know, I'm well over 20 years into it, and I've, I've definitely, like I said, made multiple efforts to, you know, stop slash reservation kind of a deal. You know what I mean? Stop slash reservation kind of deal because it was always a contingency to it, you know. And I tried it. This is stupid. I tried it. It was so stupid. But this last time, yeah, I was very, very um, 
uh, anxiety has had maxed itself out. You know what I mean? It was just like really, I was spending like more and more time, you know, really in the pursuit of it. My brain was completely uh, obsessed with it. And again, any free time that I had, and this is again, this is 2015. So this is like what two years after my last, um, my last rehab. And um, again, I just found myself pure anxiety, um, lots of rage, lots of anger and frustration with my daughter's mother um, because she was just so, you know, you need to stop and look at what you're doing to the family. And I'm like, I'm not doing nothing to the family. You guys just go to sleep and I'll be in the bathroom for the next two or three hours and don't worry about me. And um, that was like, I had never done stuff like that before. I'd never been so obsessed with, you know, keeping it going. But I'd really transitioned in 2015, you know, that was six years ago to a space where it was like literally nothing else mattered. And anything that did, I had to rearrange that stuff to fit what I'm what I need to do. You know, I mean, I tried, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a football coach, you know, to my to my son's uh, football team. And it was just like I had to, you know, I'm putting together plays and I'm, you know, hitting the pipe as I'm putting together plays because, again, I'm going to be this model football coach. But I'm also, you know, you know, my, my little moments of, of putting together plays were getting shorter and shorter. And, and I'm like, I got to get the practice. And it was just like I felt my time was like, God, let's get this over with so I can get back. Let's get this. And it was like my, my patience for regular everyday living was just getting shorter and shorter. And, um, and then I realized, like I said, and it got to the point where my daughter's mother, she just like had enough of it. And it was one morning we were uh, getting, getting the kids ready for school. And, and, um, I don't know, kids weren't listening and dad's going to step in, you know, I mean, I'm out of the house. I'm going to matter the house. You know, I'm the dad, I'm going to go ahead and let's let it be known. And I, Brady stuff, you know, and got a little bit, you know, aggressive with the voice. And I wanted to be Mr. Intimidating because I'm not going to beat the kids, you know. But, again, I want I want to strike the fear of God in them, you know. Listen to your mother, blah, blah, blah. And it transitioned from that into, you know, me yelling. And I ended up poking my little boy in his head saying, you need to listen. And I poked him in his head and he fell on the ground and just like big scene. And she came out kicking and screaming and and all of a sudden we that's turned into this just a physical deal and I just wanted to grab her and throw her down and next thing I know I got a pillow on top of her head and my daughter comes running in the room and she just screams daddy stop it was like the loudest loudest scream ever that was that day that was my darkest lowest day like I literally um there had been other little incidents where I'd, you know, I'd grab her by her neck and just, again, just to scare her, just to you know, mind your business, leave me alone, I'm not bothering you, you know, just, you know, just really trying to just scare them into, let me do what I want to do and stop trying to interfere, I'm not bothering you, you go be mom and I'm, I'll do what I got to do, you need money here, boom, I'm going back to what I'm doing, you know, and it, it really, it was, it was just like really a, a whole nother Jackson head, head evolved and um i saw the guy i remember taking a video and i was like really like oh i was like who the heck is it i videoed myself in the bathroom i was just like jackson is gone 
Jackson has left the building, bro. And I was just like, so that little transition, my daughter screaming, Jackson, you know, daddy, stop. You know, I was just like, oh, man. And I remember getting up and I remember screaming. I said, like, literally tomorrow, I go, I said, you know, I said, I said, I don't care if I go to the blackest, deepest of hell. I said, I just can't control myself anymore. Little, little did I know that that was like, that would be the moment right there that, that I believe that divine intervention just came in and just was just like, whatever, everything settled down. She went off to work, the kids went off to school, she took the kids to school. About an hour later, Orange County Sheriff's Department is ringing my phone, saying, hey, Mr. Jackson, um, Orange County Sheriff's Department, can you step outside? There's like a couple of officers, they just want to talk to you. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna try to catch me with something. I don't have nothing. <laughs> they're not gonna find nothing on me. And they were like, yeah, you're under arrest for domestic battery and child endangerment. And I just broke down in tears, man. You know, I've been in trouble lots of times, never to the point where I was in tears. I couldn't stop. I was like, literally, I couldn't, I couldn't talk. I was just like overwhelmed. I was just like, what happened? What the heck just happened? And I swore it was all good because they didn't catch me with no dope. They didn't catch me with, but everything that I said I would never be. Domestic battery, child endangerment, child abuse. I'm like, wow, that is like way beyond any friggin' level of anything I was trying to become. But there I was, there I was right there. And I, when I screamed out, you know, I can't control myself. That was that was that was code for God help me. But I didn't say that until I was in custody, and I, you know, I was. Uh, the H and I people, hospitals and institutions we have here, but they go into the jails and they are like, hey, you know, we got this book and you could check it out. And I was like, I said, Deputy, hey, can I keep this book they're giving me? Yeah. And um, it would begin, you know, to open that book, that little blue book, and they would be, I would begin to see myself all through that that book. And I was like, whoa. And was, I just randomly opened a page to, 553 says so no great trick to stop the trick is to stay stopped and to do that i had to learn how to handle sobriety that's what i can't handle i'm irritable i'm restless i'm discontent i'm not partying no more i'm trying to get my brain balanced how can i figure this out you know what i mean i, I just I, I got depression i got anxiety i got anger i got all these normal normal emotions that everybody deals with but the difference is I'm an alcoholic. I'm going to friggin' pack something on top of this and disconnect from everybody. Cause guess what? I don't I can't deal with y'all. I can't deal with none of you people, man. I'm out of here. You know, and that was my solution. That was my coping mechanism. And as I tried to control it, I'd say, okay, I'm not gonna use today. And my disease would say, dude, what are you talking about? You better go. Otherwise, you're not gonna be breathing. And it was just like anxiety, can't breathe. All of those things just started to. So again, I would, you know, don't you understand? I'm not doing it for part. I said, I need to do this. And that's where I was like fully, you know, that was my true belief. I needed it to breathe. I'm not doing this for fun anymore. We, we, we passed that threshold. And um, again, for whatever reason, I guess I could tell you exactly, 
you know, how it transitioned out of there. Because again, I just, again, relate that to something greater than me said, oh, we, we got something for you, Jackson, but you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to do, you know, I'm a 12-step program, you know, from a 12-step program. And I really believe that's my new coping mechanism. And um, I began to really kind of engage in that further with the proper sponsorship. You know, they kind of really took a hard head like me and was able to, you know, present this stuff to me in a way that I would, you know, become willing to take a look at myself. And um, that was a pretty cool thing. Most people say, oh, that's pretty. No, it was pretty, it was pretty cool to see finally there's a program that can fit a dude like me. You know what I mean? Wow, man, these are people's human conditions. I act like this. Okay, there's something that can help me and redirect that stuff. And like I said, I, I just began to adapt this new way of living, this, this plan for living. I know, I mean, I like to say tomorrow, it's, it's not, it, it transitioned from drinking and using to how do I live? You know what I mean? I'm trying to learn how to live without finding it. And, and for the last six years, like literally, I haven't found it necessary. I haven't found it necessary, you know, to go pick up. You know, I mean, it, the thoughts will come around and I see people all the time, but I go oh, and things will happen and I still get discouraged and frustrated and really bent sometimes. But, you know, not to the degree. And I have to attribute that to the fact that I've done some things in my life and I've built up that first line of defense that says, hey, and, but it took it took time. But I was willing to put that much time into it. It's only been six years in contrast to, you know, the 20 plus years that I lived that life. So again, that that twenty plus years is still very, very within touch. You know, it's still within reach. So again, I know that's why I do this on a daily basis. You know, what I mean, and I give it back to other people wherever possible. So, yeah. yeah. And I think you said the key there, right, is to give it back because I know for me, relapse is not part of my story, and I always say yet not because I plan mm -hmm. to relapse because I think I truly believe that I've created a life so good for myself exactly. and I know exactly what will happen if I pick up that drink. I, there is, you know, when I, we call it playing the tape through, as you know, right. And we, we, it's easy for me to see exactly. And I joke around with people, you know, I got offered, they were, and they didn't do this when I was drinking, of course, because why would they give away free alcohol when I was drinking? But, you know, we were we were downtown the other day and they were giving away these new drinks and they're like, hey, you know, do you guys want a free drink? And they're this kind of alcohol beverage. I said, no, I said, sorry, I'll be dancing on your little cart there. You won't be able to get rid of me. And it's not just going to be one. And they all started laughing hysterically because I can joke around about it now. Right. I. You know, exactly. even when I was in a corporate world, I would tell people, they're like, oh, you're not having any drinks. I said, I'm a retired professional. You don't want to see me go right. there. And and people respected that. But what would you say? Because I know, you know, you talk about doing the 12 steps. And I truly believe that that was the foundation that I needed. And then I needed above and beyond that course, to discover definitely. that life beyond recovery. Because I don't know about you, but I didn't get clean and sober to just live I got clean and sober to actually make a lasting impact in the world because we've been through so much stuff that has given us the skills we need to actually create the life that we desire to help other people so what would you say is the key to stay and stop this time around for you well literally I've, I've had an opportunity to really explore that thought as well but I, I can very confidently say you know really being able to 
share, you know, this message of hope to really be able to sit down with another person, another dude, you know, mano a mano, you know, and, and actually kind of just, just talk about it. I tell it, let's just check it out. Let's just check out these steps. Let's see what this stuff is talking about. Because again, that's how my sponsor, let's check this out, man. Let's see what's happening. You know, you know if you've never seen it before, let's just check it out for a minute. They say the biggest principle that, what do they say? Contempt prior to investigation. What is that thing? One of the, either way, some little sense it was basically contempt prior to investigation. So I kind of go into it with other people or other men saying, hey, well, let's investigate. Let's check this out, man. And literally being able to work with, you know, several, 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 again, there's no number, several, several, you know, men in this program. I really believe that's been the single most sustaining factor, being able to really just have an opportunity and a willingness to sit down. And again, probably 90% of them don't take it and don't don't run with it but guess what that 10 percent to do those are those are some true true people and again that's 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 what the success was right there being able to see another man get this and to see another person grow with this it like it literally has this weird connector piece because it just it, it builds my spirit up even more like i said living with a purpose and again, there's some people think, oh, I can't do that. Or I never thought I would be able to do it either. But when you are able to just share just, you know, how your life is changing and have another person just talk with you. And I just tell some of my guys, look, bro, just give me a call and just say, hey, just tell me what time it is for the day. I mean, just check in with me. And then that establishes that comfort with each other. And again, how did it come about? I don't know. I really don't know. But I just know working with another guy. Going through 12 steps has been a big factor. Being able to, you know, share and carry my story with other people. That's that's a that's a state factor. You know, I mean, those are state factors that I really attribute, you know, this this last six years into. Because, again, I know for sure um, I don't know this program. And every time I go through this program again with someone else, there's still more to be discovered. This is not like a one and done. These 12 steps aren't one and done, which I thought is what the 12, hey, let's just get done in the 12 steps. No, bro. It's like every time I'm like, I'm highlighting, you know, I, I should have been one of my big folks over here. But yeah, it was like every time I see, I got new eyes. Every time I go through it with a different guy, I mean, I'm at the point where I can like literally, it's like I, I look forward. To another new guy that I could kind of get get into this stuff with because I'm I have some knowledge of the program and of the book so I can show hey look check this out hey this really spoke to me what do you think about this and I don't say oh read the whole book no let's check out a page it's it, it was a pages so a combination of the pages you know what I mean and and taking another guy through the twelve steps it's a big big game changer for 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 me anyway. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you like more. And I think that, you know, one of the things I tried to bring awareness is that people who are struggling to let them know they're not alone. And I think that is the power of recovery and the power of any type of support network is you develop this connection with people. And I think we're so fortunate to have that because even 
in entrepreneurship, right? I mean, like you said, I never thought in a million years I'd be doing anything like this. I never thought I would write two books or quit my day job to do what I love to help other people. But we already have all the skills because we were resilient. We were persistent, right? We And we, we had all that. We just had to take it from what we were using it on to get loaded to do mm-hmm. something positive. And I think... You know, it's when you first make that connection with people, especially early on and some, you know, you're, you're sharing stuff where you're thinking, oh, they're going to think I'm crazy. Like they're going to commit me right now. And that person being able to go, I get you, you know, I, I felt the same way. I've heard it that's that uniquely qualified. It makes us uniquely qualified to be able to, you know, talk. And I've heard people, you know, that's usually someone, if I hear somebody else talking about something, man, let me tell you about this time. And it's like those stories, that explains, geez, no wonder I went through all of that stuff because I never knew that I was going to be able to have that as a as a significant piece that I can now relate to someone with. And that person can relate with me. And like, I know you, uh, you're my people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now let's, exactly. let's, 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 let's get on through that. Now that we made it past that weirdo space, oh, let me show you what else is to come. So, yeah, so yeah it's definitely a cool thing. It's interesting because I'm learning about the science behind beliefs and all this stuff and emotional mm-hmm. intelligence right now. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, you know, the way, the way we change our beliefs. One, there's two ways, cognitive dissonance, which means you challenge your beliefs, and emotional discomfort. And emotional discomfort is listening to other people's stories and hearing what they're saying and taking on those beliefs because it is uncomfortable to get clean and sober. I mean, in the beginning, I was like, I'm not like you people. I don't belong here. I wasn't drinking vodka out of a brown paper bag, living homeless under a bridge, right? But I think we have that same thing now in entrepreneur and recovery, right? And that's why I'm so passionate about Beyond Recovery because I remember the first time we connected on the phone, we were going off for probably a good half an hour, 45 minutes about what we're passionate about and how we want to do this and we want to save the world and we're doing a summit and all this stuff. And I think that's great, right? We have this thing in common that that connects us. And I really believe strongly that when we actually, and that's why I have Rise and Recovery now, is when we connect not only on the recovery level, but also on the making a difference in the world level. Um, I think we're so powerful united and you taught you're big on collaboration. So why don't you talk about that and what you do in terms of collaboration? Well, you know, tomorrow it was really interesting because um, like you, I remember learning, you know, the opposite of addiction the opposite of the opposite of addiction is connection, right? So it was like, okay, so now all of a sudden, here's this stay stop thing, right? Here's this stay stop thing. I believe it was divinely inspired because again, I shared with you before. You know, I heard it back in 2013, and then I come across it again two years later. So I was like, okay, God, what do I do with this? Okay, what do I do? And I, I'm a, I'm a again i used to brand myself i used to brand brand myself over here on my hair on my chest i would just like heat up metal and you know there's cutters i'm i was a brander okay whatever so um and i was really big into dickies and i was really big into you know these brand labels and everything so i thought you know and then all of a sudden i was just like a brand i said i want to be a brand i'm like vans is the uh, bands are the skateboard people, you know, Nike's got the, you know, sports, 
Dickies is the working class, man. I'm like, I want a brand that represents recovery, right? But I knew I didn't want to just be, you know, stay, stop, boom. I figured a way to really make this something is I want to be able to go into a collaborative posture, a posture that would say, hey, look, you guys, this is the official recovery apparel, just like kind of like, like Nike has all of the NFL uniforms, right? They're the official uniform provider. Uh, Reebok or is, was the official, you know, uh, a brand for the MMA people and so forth. So I started to look at that and I'm like, I'm like, there's really nothing that really supports and reinforces, you know, people in recovery. So I'm like, well, I said, I have my brand. I have my signature, my signature stay humble thing, you know, but I'm like, I want to, I don't want this to just be me. I want to, I want to, I want to make this a we factor. So I said, collaboration has to be the key right here. How can I connect my brand, you know, as a, as a, again, this is, this is my actual brand that I, I kind of. This is my little Dickies label, my little band's label, you know. And I said, okay, we're, we're going to get our label as a symbol of recovery. You know what I mean? That's that. But again, I said, how can I connect this with other rehab centers, detox centers, uh, recovery coaches? You know what I mean? Because they're all creating their own brand as well. They want to bring their own brand, but I don't need to be in the forefront. I just want to support what they're doing. You see what I mean? I saw, you know, Road Beyond Recovery. I'm like, that's really awesome. You know, entrepreneurs. I'm like, we're all so talented people. And there's a lot of people in recovery that, you know, don't really have that discipline to work for employers, perhaps, or they just have this new motivation to really start their own business. That's why I really love what you do. So I was like, okay, if there's a way that we can, you know, you know, you know, promote, you know, another person who is working in recovery and by reinforcing it with our brand because they're going to get t-shirts and stuff from somewhere so let's let's reinforce it let's let's support what these other treatment centers and other recovery you know businesses are doing let's come in and, and side by side we can kind of double team if you will you know the community we can double team and say hey look this label when you see this brand we are attracting awareness to successful, to successful living. This is not, stay stopped is not, don't use drugs and don't drink. Stay stopped is, man, we're out here. We're committed to a life of recovery, living a new way of life. And you guys that are working in treatment, you guys are in the trenches, you know, showing some new methods, bringing some other resources and support in there. So I said, if I want to be able to collaborate recovery coaches, like I said, treatment centers to be, you know, uh, employee uniforms or, or, or client incentives or fundraising, you know, products, if you will, you know, people get cookies and candles or whatever. Let's get some stay humble shirts, you know, in there. We'll help you guys raise some funds, you know? So it was kind of like, I saw this as an opportunity to reinforce the work that's being done in rehab or in recovery already. So now we got XYZ Treatment Center, Road Beyond Recovery on Stay Stop branded gear. Now that individual now has a double sense of belonging. You know what I mean? He's got a double sense of being unified with something that's positive and something that we can recognize each other, you know, out in the community. It's about bringing awareness to recovery. It's about encouraging 
unity. And that's what I wanted that Stay Stop brand to be, not just some T-shirt that says, hey, I'm sober. Grant, okay, if that's what you do, that's awesome. You know what I mean? That's what you do. But I just really wanted to put it in a really special category that really could reinforce the work that's being done. This is not just about me being sober. Stay Stop is not just not about me being sober. This is about we continuing to become a part of a community, to get back into the stream of life. And that's the difference that I would say. And I don't want to say it's a difference, but I just like to think that's the core essence in collaborating with Stay Stopped. And it's amazing apparel. I mean, I if it wasn't so hot here, I would be wearing my mm -hmm. hoodie right now. I usually yes, I wear it when I interview. but um, And we're going to put some links as well in the show notes. But Jackson, if people want to learn more on how to collaborate with you or get in touch with you, how can they reach you? Yeah, you can definitely dial into our my Instagram. My Instagram is really like my main platform. Um, it's stay.stopped. Um, that's my Instagram. DM me directly there. You can kind of get an insight as to, you know, what Stay Stop, what the Stay Stop brand really represents and our values by looking at some of the things and how we are active in the community. And you could see some of our other collaborations on there as well, as well as some motivational, you know, words of, of encouragement as well. So Instagram, um, stay.stop. And you can always um, reach out to me, email, which is um, staystoppedunited at gmail.com. Um, and again, those are the best ways. My primary platform um, is the Instagram, LinkedIn as well. My LinkedIn is definitely available. But check out you know, what we're doing on Instagram because that's, that's a good place to see and, and show. So. Awesome. And Jackson is incredibly responsive. So just so you know, he'll get back to you right away. So Jackson, thank you so much for sharing your story. I love what you're doing. I love that we've gotten a chance to collaborate. And I really appreciate you being on the show today. You're awesome, Tamar. God bless you. Awesome. There are just so many amazing people in this world doing amazing things. So thank you, Jackson, for everything that you do. And guys, if you haven't already, make sure you hop on to a Collaboration Zone Zoom call where I'm going to be your host through this journey of learning how to master your mind. You're going to be able to collaborate with like-minded individuals in recovery where you get to share who you are, what you do, who you serve, and also what you could use some support in. This is meant for you to network and to really help each other grow our businesses and make a bigger impact in the world. So I hope to see you on one of our future calls. You can enroll for these calls. They're absolutely free at www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. See you on the next call. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.